MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, May 27th, 2022. Today, conflicting reports of law enforcement responses continue to come out of Uvalde, Texas. Rep. Jim Jordan makes demands of the January 6th committee with regards to his subpoena. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis has subpoenaed Brad Raffensperger. Trump loses his appeal to avoid testifying in the New York Attorney General civil case. Sussman does not take the stand in his own defense. And Mark Meadows burned documents after meeting with Rep. Scott Perry. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hi, everyone. It's just me today. Dana is taking some self-care over the weekend. And so I will be bringing you the news. There's a lot of it today. It just started piling on late in the day, all on top of the horrific uh, just BS uh, that's coming out of the response from Greg Abbott and Ted Cruz and and other Republican lawmakers and law enforcement in Texas. Um, And so we're going to talk a little bit about that at the top. We're going to talk about all of the other news that's coming out right now, including some breaking news, very recent breaking news about the 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 Fulton County District Attorney's investigation and uh, some other things that are going on. We have a we have a new Mueller report. We have an alternative Mueller report. I talk a bit a smidge about that. I'm going to save the bulk of that for the Mueller She Wrote podcast this Sunday. So stick around for that. And then later in the show, as promised, my discussion with the author of Burn the Page, and it's the subtitle is A True Story of Torching Doubts, Blazing Trails and Igniting Change by Danica Rome. You don't want to miss that discussion. And then, of course, I'll roll through some good news at the end. If you have any good news you want to send us, please, please do so. We desperately need it in these times. You can do it by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. And also, there are currently, for some reason, two identical versions of the Daily Beans out there on Apple Podcasts right now. So if you are not a patron, because patrons and supercasters, don't worry about it. Your premium feed won't be affected by this at all. But if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you want to make sure you're listening to the correct version because the other one's going to be archived soon. And if you aren't listening and subscribing to the correct version of the beans, your beans will disappear. So what you do is you go to apple.co slash beans, and that's all lowercase. And that is that is the, the proper one. Follow that particular podcast and, and you'll be all set. All right. We do have a lot of news to get to today. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up from The Washington Post, President Biden will travel to Texas on Sunday, this Sunday, to meet with families uh, of the 21 victims of the Texas school shooting amid growing questions about the police response. And, And the story keeps changing by the minute. The White House announced the trip to Uvalde as the regional director of the Texas Department of Public Safety contradicted earlier reports and said at a news conference Thursday that the shooter was not confronted by anyone as he entered the elementary school in Uvalde. He said officers arrived on the scene four minutes after the shooter entered the building, after the shooter entered the building, and then the gunman was killed about an hour later. Um, everyone at, at, by the officers was being told to stand back. Desperate parents gathered outside Robb Elementary School. They were ordered by police to move away as they begged officers in tactical gear to go inside after the gunman. Some tried to rush in themselves. One man was pinned to the ground by officers Uh, That's video recorded at the scene shows that. And a witness told The Washington Post that a woman was handcuffed. In bursts of chatter on an open radio channel on Tuesday, local ambulance drivers were directed to report uh, to reports of injuries at a dangerous situation at the school, but cautioned to give law enforcement space to do their job. Quote, please stay back. They told the ambulances. I'll call you guys one up at a time up one at a time if we need you. But even as police from local, state and federal agencies responded to the scene, an hour passed before a heavily armed tactical team entered a fourth grade classroom and killed the 18 year old shooter. And that's according to video and information provided for the first time Thursday by public officials. By then, the gunman had fatally shot 19 students and two teachers, wounded 17 others. 
America's deadliest school massacre in almost a decade. Reports say the person who killed the shooter was an off-duty federal agent, a member of BORTAC, that's a tactical SWAT team for Border Patrol. And it appears to me that Abbott Cruz, the mayor of Uvalde, Don McLaughlin, I have no idea how he got elected mayor, and local law enforcement are trying to cover up the botched response to this massacre. Senator Cory Booker has called for a federal investigation into the police response per a letter he wrote to the FBI. And with all the conflicting deflections and obfuscation, I can't take anything local law enforcement says seriously now. So I'm going to wait for journalists and the feds and and reports and videos and facts to uncover what really happened. And it's unimaginable to me, a former Navy nuclear reactor specialist, that anyone in a position of power would would be so obtuse and cover up mistakes that have and will continue to cause death in the government and in law enforcement. It, it should be. And at least in my position, it was encouraged to admit that you made a mistake so it can be fixed. But Republicans don't want this fixed. They know the dam is breaking. They know the NRA is dying. It's in its death throes. They know 90% of us want common sense gun legislation, just like they know 80% of us want Roe to remain the law of the land. The emperor has no clothes, and people are finally starting to see it. Last night at the Miami Heat game, the announcer gave the phone number to reps in Washington over the loudspeaker and urged people to make their voices heard in November. John Cornyn and Dan Crenshaw who, and by, by no means am I clapping for them, but they've backed out of the NRA conference this weekend, as have several musicians, including Don McLean. I didn't even know he was still doing American Pie, but whatevs. So the message is getting out, laying bare the lies peddled by the right wing. What was once an outlier of a message is becoming mainstream, and that's bad news for minority rule. Protests will grow larger. We will grow louder. Walkouts will grow more frequent. Calls for change will shake the walls of Congress, which right now is prepping hearings about the attempted coup that will, quote, blow the roof off the place, unquote. And speaking of the committee, Jim Jordan, who was barred from sitting on the committee for his role in the coup. Remember when Liz Cheney shook his hand away and said, you fucking did this. She just filed, by the way. For, for running again in Wyoming. But Jim Jordan is now making demands. He told the House Select Committee investigating the Capitol attack he would consider complying with the panel's subpoena only if they shared the material that put him under scrutiny. That's according to a letter he sent on Wednesday. The response by Jordan, the top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee, who spoke to Trump on January 6th multiple times, stopped short of refusing to comply with his subpoena though it was not clear how he would proceed if the panel refused his request, which I hope they do. In this six-page letter sent to the select committee, which is very hard to read because it's written in Jim Jordanese, um, this letter was obtained by The Guardian, and this story is by Hugo Lowell. In this letter, Jordan demanded House investigators share with him all materials they intended to rely upon in questioning, materials in which he is referenced, and legal analyses about subpoenaing members of Congress. This reminds me of Yevgeny Prigozhin. Remember Putin's chef demanding the FBI and Mueller hand over all sources and methods going back to 1942? And I'm not exaggerating. They wanted it going back to 1942 in the case against Concord Management. They were playing the courts to get sources and methods. Jim, that's not how this shit works. You don't get to make demands. This is a subpoena. You get to comply or refuse. Now, the response does put the ball in the select committee's court, according to Lowell, forcing House investigators to decide whether they'll acquiesce to Jordan's demands in the hope that it convinces him to give some testimony or refuse and potentially close off any chance of cooperation. I got to say, his testimony would be useless and horrible. Let him refuse to comply or come in. The select committee subpoenaed to Jordan, which came alongside four other subpoenas, Kevin McCarthy, Scott Perry, we'll get to him in a second, put a pin in Scott Perry, Andy Biggs and Mo Brooks, demanded testimony about his December 2020 meetings with Trump in the White House and other communications. House investigators took the step to issue 
unprecedented subpoenas to five Republican members of Congress after Jim Jordan, McCarthy and Perry did not appear for interviews on tentative dates suggested in the initial letters seeking voluntary cooperation. Republicans are willing to allow people to be murdered to hang on to power. It is no wonder they would be willing to overthrow the government and lie about it to do the same. In other committee news, Mark Meadows burned documents in his office in a fireplace after a meeting with House, House Republican Scott Perry, who was working to challenge the 2020 election. That's according to testimony that the January 6th Select Committee has heard from one of his former aides, I believe to be Cassidy Hutchinson. Uh, Cassidy Hutchinson worked under Meadows when he was former President Donald Trump's chief of staff, and she told the panel investigating the Capitol attack that she saw Meadows incinerate documents after a meeting in his office with Scott Perry. He's a Republican from Pennsylvania, by the way. That's according to a person familiar with the testimony describing it on the condition of anonymity. The Meadows-Perry meeting came in the weeks after Election Day 2020 as Trump and his allies searched for ways to overthrow the government, reverse the election results. It's unclear whether Hutchinson told the committee which specific documents were burnt and if federal record law requires the materials preservation. We don't know if, you know, because we don't know what documents were burnt. Meadows' destruction of papers is a key focus for the committee, though. And the person familiar with the testimony said investigators pressed Hutchinson for details about it for more than 90 minutes during a recent deposition. Before the 2020 election, Perry, who represents Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and that region, had a relatively low national profile. But testimony and documents obtained by congressional investigators show how he was the first person to connect Trump with Jeffrey Clark, a top Justice Department official who sympathized with Trump's efforts to overturn his loss to Biden. Senior Trump, DO, senior Trump DOJ officials have testified that the former president came close to appointing Clark as acting attorney general in order to use the department's extraordinary powers to sow doubt about the election results, thereby urging state legislatures to consider overriding Biden's victory by possibly putting forth, I don't know, fraudulent slates of electors. Clark is the one who wrote that letter to Georgia that never got signed that said, we, we found a lot of election fraud we need to investigate, so hang back. Send us two slates of electors. Perry is now chair of the pro-Trump House Freedom Caucus. He spent weeks pressing Meadows to implement that plan, but the effort never came to fruition. Instead, in an Oval Office meeting, the rest of the Department of Justice leadership threatened to quit if Trump made Clark attorney general. They were all going to resign en masse. The select committee has also revealed that Meadows and Perry took steps to conceal some of their communications after the election. Obstruction of justice. For example, in a December 2020 text message exchange, the committee included in an April court filing, Perry told Meadows he had, quote, just sent you something on Signal, referring to the encrypted messaging app, popular with journalists and government officials. And me, I use it a lot. I'm not trying to coup, though. <laughs> An investigation by Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee last year delved further into Perry's involvement in the attempt to overturn the election and urged the January 6th Select Panel to look into the Pennsylvanian further. Because once the January 6th Select Committee was formed, all other investigations in, in Congress into the coup stopped to allow January 6th Committee to take over all of it. Earlier this month, the Select Committee also subpoenaed Perry and four other Republican lawmakers. Perry's compliance deadline is today. And he hasn't signaled whether or not he will cooperate. The select committee also subpoenaed Clark and later referred him to the Department of Justice for prosecution, stating he failed to comply with the subpoena. Department of Justice has not charged Clark with any crime as of yet. And in breaking news, this is breaking right now. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is stepping up the pace of her investigation into Trump's efforts to coup questioning a wide array of witnesses and preparing a rash of subpoenas to top Georgia state officials, state lawmakers, and prominent local journalists for testimony that will start next week. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who won a surprise victory against Trump-backed opponents in Tuesday's Republican primary, is slated to be one of Willis's star witnesses when he appears before the grand jury next Wednesday. Sources have confirmed this to Yahoo News. Fonnie Willis has assembled a team of about 10 prosecutors and agents for the Trump probe. Earlier this month, a group of them flew to Washington to meet with investigators from the January 6th committee who shared details from confidential witness testimony and other material relevant to Trump's effort to flip Georgia's 16 electoral votes. That's according to a source familiar with the probe. Committee gave her stuff. Initially, Willis was expected to focus on Trump's January 3rd, 2021 hour-long phone call to Raffensperger, 
as we know. But sources familiar with the investigation say her agents and prosecutors are casting a much wider net in an apparent effort to establish that Trump's phone call was only one piece in a broader conspiracy, potentially prosecutable under an expansive state racketeering law. We've talked about that to pressure or intimidate state officials and lawmakers to change the results of the 2020 election by promoting bogus claims of voter fraud. In recent weeks, Willis's team, including an outside special counsel and at least four prosecutors and investigators, has interviewed witnesses about efforts by Georgia Republican lawmakers to appoint an alternate slate of electors who would certify Trump as the winner of the state's electoral votes. The team has also questioned legislators who sat for a controversial series of hearings in which Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani made demonstrably false statements about a video he claimed showed evidence of voter fraud. That assertion has already been debunked by state officials and the FBI. Elena Parent, who is a Democratic state senator who attended those hearings, told Yahoo News she was questioned by Willis's team a couple of weeks ago and then received a subpoena to testify before the grand jury on June 22nd. Parent shared a copy of the subpoena with Yahoo. Parent said the Willis team, led by Nathan Wade, a private lawyer and friend of Willis's, has been hired as a special counsel by her office, questioned her, Parent, about the circumstances of how Giuliani came to appear before two legislative committees on December 3rd, 2020, the remarks he made before the lawmakers, and his questioning of witnesses he brought with him that day. They wanted to know about everything that happened with those hearings. In other news today, Donald Trump and two of his adult children must sit for questioning under oath as part of New York Attorney General's civil investigation into their business practices. That's according to a state appellate court ruling that came down today. Trump's lawyers argued that the inquiry by the state attorney general was politically motivated and she shouldn't be permitted to question him or his children, Donald or Ivanka. The lawyers also claimed that the attorney general could not force Trump to face questioning in her civil investigation because he was also the subject of a criminal investigation for the same stuff in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. But the court found that the Trumps had not shown they were being treated differently from other investigative targets and argued the existence of a criminal investigation doesn't preclude civil discovery of related facts. Sorry. The decision represented the latest in a string of legal setbacks for Donald, who was also recently held in contempt of court for failing to fully comply with a subpoena from Ms. James for documents. And the rebuke will likely embolden Ms. James at a crucial moment in her investigation as she weighs whether to sue Trump and the Trump Organization, his family real estate business. I imagine the Trumps will appeal to the New York State Supreme Court, where I imagine he will lose again. But we're getting close, and we'll keep you posted. I know I, I always say that, but this time I mean it. And Democratic attorney Michael Sussman, accused of lying to the FBI about his work for the 2016 presidential campaign of Hillary Clinton, has decided not to testify in his own defense in his ongoing trial on a false statement charge. Prosecutors from the Office of Special Counsel John Durham have charged him with one count of lying to the FBI when apparently he told Jim Baker that he wasn't there on behalf of any client when handing over allegations of computer links between Trump and Alpha Bank. His decision not to take the stand revealed Thursday morning in court by Sussman's defense team signals the trial will immediately come to a close and could reach jurors before the week is out. I will keep you posted on the case, though the judge has let Durham violate tons of pretrial evidence decisions. So if there is a conviction, there's a zillion things to appeal on. I am not worried. And this is also breaking. The alternative Mueller report has been released. It is heavily redacted, though, but a lot of those redactions are from harm to an ongoing matter. I'll cover that in depth on the Mueller She Wrote podcast on Sunday. Of note, as recently as 2018, Manafort was working with Kalimnik to help hand over the eastern part of Ukraine to Putin and put Yanukovych in charge of it. That's the old Ukrainian peace plan that they'd been working on since 2016 together. It's very, very interesting. I mean, it's heavily, heavily redacted, but harm to an ongoing matter. Tom Barrick is mentioned. That's an ongoing matter. It could be part of that. It could be an investigation into Fertash. It could be an investigation into Deripaska. Or Manafort. But uh, this is the... uh, Andrew Weissman prepared secondary alternative Manafort Mueller report. It's about 37 pages long. And again, I'll go over it in depth on Sunday. All right. I will be right back with Virginia delegate and author of Burn the Page, Danica Rome, right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
I like to start my days off with Athletic Greens. You know this. With just one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source superfoods. You get probiotics in there and adaptogens to help start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients, which is delicious and easy to pick up as a habit, supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. It covers all the things. Let's just put it that way. AG1 supports mental clarity and alertness too, helping you face your day with the energy you need. It contains less than one gram of sugar, has no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything, and it still tastes amazing. And it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements individually yourself, and it takes up a lot less space, a lot less time as well. It's so convenient. The Daily Beans wants to thank Athletic Greens for their support, and they're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Again, to make it easy, they're going to give you that free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. That's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Everybody, welcome back. I am honored today to be joined by, this is probably going to be one of my favorite interviews. She's a delegate in the Virginia House running for Virginia Senate first openly trans person elected to U.S. state legislature and author of the new book out now called Burn the Page, a true story of torching doubts, blazing trails and igniting change. Please welcome Danica Rome. Danica, hi. Hi, Allison. Thank you so much for having me on today. I am uh, so delighted to, uh, you know, hopefully not screw this up. (laughs) I don't think that you could possibly. (laughs) Every time I see you in interviews, uh, I'm like, oh, this is like the smartest person ever. I, I can't wait to talk to her. Wow, your your poll of interviews who you watch has to be really low. She's the smartest one in the room. And it's just like, well, it, she's also the only one in the room. <laughs> oh, stop. Stop it. So here's what I wanted. I wanted to, first of all, your book is incredible. and And I wanted to talk to you about it because it really... I think it hits home with a lot of folks. Now, you are a storyteller and the the wit in this book is, is amazing. But the impetus to write this book or to even look into these past stories is a little different than most of us. Because um, tell us the story. You hired an opposition researcher when you were running to dig up any dirt they could find on you. And that's sort of where this began, right? Yes. And also uh, it's now concluding with my cat very much meowing in the background. So my apologies in advance if you hear the uh, spry cries of the uh, polydactyl tuxedo at age two. So anyhow, uh, yeah, well, you know, like any good campaign, we have to hire opposition researchers, you know, not only to look into the person who, you know, we're running against or who's running against me, but into myself, you know, to basically see what's out there, right? And so um, I just put out 320 pages of burn the page of saying, yeah, okay, here it is. It's all there. It's all here. You don't, it's like, you know, whoever the Republican nominee against me is next year, it's like, they're going to end up paying five or $10,000 to their oppo researcher being like, he's going to be like, I have found this very hard to find transcript of all <laughs> these terrible things about Dana Grove. And at which point I'm just like, yeah, for 27 bucks, you sure did do me a good one. I appreciate it. And it's available on ebook, audiobook, and hardback. So I hope you got all three because uh, my publisher would really thank you for it. And, you know, we, we lead every chapter of the book with a hit of either opposition research against me, just basically like based on the actual report that came back, or we found like, you know, uh, newspaper headlines that were negative about me uh, or uh, an editorial, for example, um, that was actually really kind of funny because they were uh, calling me condescended and long-winded. <laughs> and I was just like, um, as an Italian woman, I take offense to this because that's a pre-existing condition. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm about to take umbrage. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, my favorite one, though, absolute favorite, it's... Uh, I think it was a little bit toward the, uh, let me see which chapter it was. But um, so I was attacked uh, with two weeks to go um, during the campaign uh, for, uh, they said that I had uh, implied in a 2012 comedy music video of my band uh, that I had implied that I performed group oral sex in this video. (gasps) And my reply in the book is... uh, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. Time out. Number one, implied. <laughs> I thought it was pretty direct. <laughs> and number two, it's like, 
It was like the equivalent of a Daily Show spit take or like this or Saturday Live or something. It's just like, oh, give me a break. Quick clutch of those pearls so tight they turn into diamonds. You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. So, so chapter seven, uh, it's aptly titled Four. And again, uh, available through Viking Books. <laughs> it says, Marshall Ad accuses Rome of lewd behavior in old video of her hands. Imagine you are two weeks away from your first election. And this is the headline of a news story that runs against you <laughs> in the Washington Post, the paper of record for the greater D.C. area. That is Judd Binley, the executive director of the Republican Party of Virginia, criticized Roma on Wednesday, quote, for being featured in a video in which she, where it is clearly implied she performed a group or all types of the public restroom. And um, first off, the complete fallacy of this is ridiculous. It was a private restroom. It was at a restaurant in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> that is private property. That is not the same as going to a truck stop on the side of 66 or 95. Just want to make that perfectly clear. Mm, mm. Well, they always get the details wrong. They always oh, just they, get they do. They do. It was like this, the TV ad they turned that into. They were trying to make me out to be a conceited whore. And I was just like, that is such a lie. I am not conceited. I'm very giving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and you know I probably don't have to imagine that I I have I was a comedian for a very long time several music videos out there as a matter of fact one of them ended up in um, in court oh. as one of the performers in the video it was a custody thing and the person battling custody with her was like look at this video she did where she pretends to perform oral sex on multiple people. So we actually have a very you know, c- a close connection with this. Right. And I, and I don't know uh, which role you played in that video, whether it was, you know, giver, observer, taker, or anything in between. But just the fact that we have this little bit of uh, information to share with each other, I, I really think this is going to strengthen our bond and, you know, go girl power. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And uh, the best part was she's actually an actress. Like she was in Bring It On and uh, a couple other things. And she- All right, let's go time out here. She's an actress who was in a, who was uh, accused of uh, oral sex. Who was in a movie called Bring It On? <laughs> yes, so- it's all adding up so well. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited for this podcast to end up in my next Apple file. By the way, so oh, thank you. For- excellent. Yeah, no problem. For <laughs> the early halo. But, the, you know, I mean, the best part of the story is everyone in the courtroom was laughing and the judge was like, can you not see this as parody? It was just, it was, <laughs> it was quite hilarious. So I, I did have a judge one time um, on a traffic ticket actually uh, tell me uh, he re- he read over my band set list from the nine questions. I was late running uh, for my college uh, band's uh, show. And uh, after he looks through the whole thing and everything, um, he decides to reduce my ticket to a hundred dollar parking on pavement fine, whatever the hell that means. And he throws the horns to me and he's like, rock on. And I said, well, thank you, Jed, uh, your honor, rock on. And I threw the <laughs> horns right back to him. And so, uh, yeah, it turns out the heavy metal defense, uh, much like the Chewbacca defense, uh, definitely works in court. Okay. And, and now I have to know more about this heavy metal band that you were in, uh, because that <laughs> uh, again, part of the book. Too metal to get a good ticket. <laughs> <laughs> whatever parking on pavement i mean i don't know where else you would park i'd be mean, like i guess it was supposed to be parking on grass <laughs> okay all right so what was the band uh, so uh well so my college band was called tuh which briefly stood for trapped under hangnail which made no sense it was just two inside jokes uh and then um my uh, band after college the one that we actually did stuff with uh, that was called Gap Ride Home. So I did that from 2006 until a month after I won my primary in 2017. So it was June 2017 I won my primary, and our last show was uh, July 2017. And um, in between, we played more than 150 some odd shows. We, uh, as I very much detail in the book, uh, uh, tour our tour to uh, Northern Ireland and Scotland, where we played Belfast, Glasgow, um, Edinburgh, and Aberdeen. And all the very funny things that come along the way, along with the absolute pain in the ass that is dealing with uh, the British uh, barristers who are like the immigration attorneys. And oh my God, trying to get six uh, entertainment visas was a nightmare. Keep in mind, I was an unsigned band with no promoter, no record label, any of that sort of stuff, doing all this stuff by myself 
because my bandmates were the most helpful people in the whole world, which will t- turn out great in a transcript. And then when they hear the sarcasm behind my voice, they're going to be like, yeah, we were. We were they, they had one job, which was basically play your instrument entirely for the time we were on stage. Danica will take care of all the other things. That, that was the tour. That, mm. that was pretty much the tour for like nine days. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So you were the only person that did work in group projects, I imagine. When you group is a strong word. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> now, I also wanted to talk a little bit about how, I mean, this is all very funny, but it's also very cathartic, right? To to go back and and sort of tell your own stories in your own way. And, you know, you bring up the point that, you know, you don't have to do this if you're, if you know, you don't have to be running for office to do this. This can really help anyone yeah. take control of their narrative. So it's not just about storytelling. It's about rewriting the narrative to make it meaningful. Can you talk a little bit about about that? Because, you know, not everybody who reads this book is going to run for office, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be helpful. Hello, kitty. Yes. Sorry for if you're the blinds. That was, again, see the two-year-old tux that wants to go outside so bad. So the whole point of writing this book was to encourage people to set fire to the stories they want to be in anymore. And, you know, to, you know, own your own narrative rather than have other people tell your stories and human beings are inherently flawed we have warts we have scars and scars allow us to bond with other other people we bond best with you know our shared senses of loss and trauma and all the resilience and perseverance that come you know from having to recover from it right or having to learn to live with it and you know there's a uh, a band I absolutely love called Life of Agony, and they just so happened to have a, a trans vocalist, but you know, I've been in this band way before she even came out. And they had an album that came out in the 90s. It was called River Runs Red. And there's a fictional character in it. And what happens, he's a teenage boy. He ends up, um, ha- all these terrible things are happening to him. So he's, you know, he is an abusive home life. Girlfriend dumps him he's failing school uh he ends up getting fired from his job and when he's being just absolutely screamed berated at the you know end of the album you know he just goes upstairs turns up the bathtub and he slits his wrist and then they the the question they posited as a band 25 years later when they released the album called the sound of scars was what if he lived what if he, he didn't die that day and now he's in his 40s And now he's, you know, as this adult who very much still carries both the mental and physical scar from his teenagehood. And they revisit the album. It starts with the same sound that the Red River and Thread ended on. But there's an in-between track on it where he's in his 40s. He's talking to his presumably psychiatrist. And, you know, his psychiatrist wants to know why he went off his meds and everything. And he would just get a answer in response he's like let that scar on your wrist remind you of where you've been not where you're going you're a survivor you've been through it you're on the other side now sorry for dipping into that uh my mom my mother's from the bronx the band's from brooklyn so i gotta you know use that uh, new york uh, style voice sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> but um he but uh, he says um what he wants the guy to do at that point he said today say i will hurt no more can you do that for me and you say i will hurt no more and from this day forward and to me that's kind of part of why i wrote burn the page in the first place and what i want to encourage people yeah if you're trans if you're metal if you're into politics there's all that sort of stuff if you like really funny stories uh about being very awkward in your mid-20s definitely a lot of those stories in here too (laughs) And this book's also for everyone else. It's for people who know what it's like to go through loss and trauma and death and suicide and all the other sort of things and to come out the other end and say, okay, I'm still here. And I've got a lot of things in my past and a lot of things I'm dealing with now that I'm coping with, that I'm learning how to deal with, but that doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me unqualified to fulfill my dreams or you know visions or goals and places I see myself. In fact, it makes me relatable because I know that life is not always going to be handed to me on a silver platter where every great thing in the world just happens because I showed up that day and I worked so hard and look at all the great things that I have to show for it and blah, blah. Sometimes life is just hard and there's nothing you could do to change that. It's what do you do to learn to live with it? 
And I think that's something that, especially as a trans woman, I'm able to bring to the table that my constituents really appreciate. Because as um, state, as a U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin, who's the first out lesbian elected to the U.S. Senate, once told me, she said, you know, when I was running for office and I was out as an open lesbian, people would say, well, if you're willing to be honest about this part of your life, I guess you're going to be honest to me about everything else, too. And she's like, yeah, I will. And here I am, you know, where, you know, you don't have too many transgender metalhead reporter yogini stepmom vegetarians who are unemployed, uninsured, driving a $324.92 Dodge Shadow when they kick off the first campaign. But somehow that was relatable. And the reason is because I was being authentic. Yeah, it's that genuineness. It's that honesty. And um, I think one of the most important things that uh, I took away from this book is that you don't just have to learn about the low points in your past and just sort of deal with them and put them to bed. You can actually turn them into into your strengths, which is what you're talking about, your authenticity, your, you know, I, I survived something very awful when I was very young. And that makes me a survivor. And it and it actually gives me tools to survive more things. And uh, and I think that that is what stands out to me the most here. And, and you know, that that you can take those those low points and and actually find strength and opportunity in them. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I want to encourage other people. So it, it's not that you have to do the oversharing sort of stuff of like, look what train wreck my life is. And, you know, like I kind of write about it. I was like, the only place where drama queens absolutely belong is RuPaul's Drag Race. And that's it. Like we don't, we don't need a plethora of people who are just putting their stuff out there because they're like, oh, I just want sympathy from the world at large. It's more of the, I'm taking control of my story, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm going to say like, yeah, this is who I am. And if you're running for office, for example, here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's what I have learned from this life that I live that I can apply to help this community, that I can be really good at constituent service because I can relate to someone who needs a hand. Mm-hmm. And that applies in in all sorts of jobs and in just trying to, you know, be yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. And I, I encourage everyone to to pick up the book because I it's, do too. Yeah, it's just <laughs> so well written and it's a, a joy to read. There's a lot of difficult things. And I think it's a really great lesson to to everyone that there isn't a single person who can't relate to having low points and and trying to figure out how to manage that going forward. So I I do appreciate your time today. Everyone, the book is called Burn the Page, A True Story of Torching Doubts, Blazing Trails and Igniting Change by Danica Rome. Thank you so much. And I, I can't wait to talk to you more about how your race is going. Well, thank you so kindly, Allison. I really appreciate it. I will be on the trail 2023. So I got a year and a half long for the Senate campaign. And uh, thank you so much for the time. Yep. Anyone running against you, just buy the book. You'll have all the oppo research <laughs> that you need for twenty. And my publisher will thank you greatly. <laughs> thank you so much. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everyone. It's AG. As you know, sleeping used to be a big problem for me, which sucks because it's my favorite thing to do in the world. I struggled to fall asleep. I couldn't stay asleep. I woke up sore and groggy every morning. But that is when Helix Sleep saved me. Helix Sleep has an online two-minute sleep quiz. It matches you with the perfect mattress for your sleep preferences and body type. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? With Helix, you know you're getting a mattress that fits perfectly for the way you sleep. They know everyone's different. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm mattress. So it's improved my life tremendously. It's perfect for me. Now I wake up feeling great and ready for my day. As you know, everyone is different. So they have several different mattresses to choose from. Soft, medium, firm mattresses. Mattresses that cool you down if you sleep hot or get the night sweats. They have plus-size mattresses for plus-size sleepers. As you know, Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews, and they were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So if you're looking for a mattress and give you the best night's sleep of your life, just head to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute quiz, order the mattress you're matched to. The mattress will come right to your door, ship for free, and you can start getting the best night's sleep ever. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights without risk. They'll pick it up and give you a full refund if you don't love it, but you will love it. And Helix has financing options available too, so it's awesome. And then right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. And as you know, I love my Helix mattress, 
but Helix has gone beyond the bedroom and started making sofas. They just launched a company called All Form a little while ago. They're making premium, customizable sofas and chairs shipped right to your door. It's incredible. The easiest way to customize a sofa is with All Form. They use premium materials, but a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. They have armchairs and love seats, which you can take all the way up to an eight seat sectional. So there's something for everyone. And you can even have your sofa grow with you as you move so it stays perfect for you and your home. All form sofas are also delivered directly to your front door with fast free shipping. In the past, if you wanted a custom sofa, you were looking at like three or four months. But all form takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail. And you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes with no tools needed. I got the three seater sofa in whiskey colored leather. Spill stain and scratch resistant for the pod pets. Walnut leg finish, chaise lounge. It's comfortable, it's beautiful, it's durable, and it's protected by a forever warranty, literally forever. Um, So if getting a sofa without trying it in a store first sounds a little risky, you have nothing to worry about. Just like the mattresses, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. And if you don't love it, they will pick it up for free and give you a full refund. So there's no risk here. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. Right now, Allform is offering 20% off all orders for listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. Everyone, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have good news, if you've been wondering, should I send in the good news? Yes, you should. Now is the time. We need it now more than ever. We need to keep uh, positive. We need to stay in the fight. We need the good news. You can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact, fill out the form, and you are well on your way. Again, also go to apple.co slash beans, all lowercase, if you're not a patron, if you're not a supercaster, and you want to make sure you're following the right version of the Daily Beans before we archive one of them. That's apple.co slash beans, all lowercase, and that will take care of that. Please give us a rating and, and, and follow, and that would be awesome. That's only on Apple Podcasts, by the way. If you don't listen on Apple Podcasts or if you're a patron or a supercaster, you don't need to worry about it. You're following the right show. First up from Jason Semerko, pronouns he and him. This is a crafting making stuff news. Well, Leguminati, AGDG, and the great ones working for the Beans and MSW, AG and DG, you two inspired me to start writing. I am writing a book on the history of Ukraine and the war there, including the initial invasion of 2014 and the February 2022 escalation. Another thing I make is spice cookies, a recipe I found pre-internet on a bulletin board server. I have since tweaked it, and uh, they started with four spices and now have nine. Goes great with a cup of spiced tea or spiced wine. Sorry, no picture of my laptop of them. So should you send, uh, should send you guys some. Yes, yes, you should. The uh, address is at MullerSheWrote.com. For pet tax, I include Salem as a kitten sleeping on my desk. He was born around the year 2000. <gasps> and he crossed the Rainbow Bridge about five years ago. <laughs> also included in this picture of my girlfriend and me before, is my girlfriend and me going to a friend's wedding. Look at Salem as a baby. Yeah, you can tell that computer is around the year 2000 for sure. Look at the baby. Oh, look how great you guys look. That's wonderful. I love that ring. Tell her. Is that amethyst? It's beautiful. Everything is purple and I love it. All right, next up from Rob, pronouns he and him. Hello, Beans. Longtime listener, first time submitter. Thank you, Rob. I wanted to share the news of my friend running for re-election to my local school board. Virginia recently elected a governor who placed appeasing his base over keeping students safe. And I'm proud of the work the entire board has done. We can't take for granted that we will continue to have a board filled with level-headed servant leaders, so I'm working hard for my friend. I'd like to drop his Facebook link if I could. If anyone would like to donate money, that would be wonderful. But my goal is to generate more traffic and more likes to help increase popularity of the campaign posts. This costs nothing but a little time. Thank you for advocating for all candidates and for encouraging people to run for office. We are the change we seek. I submit as pet tax Vernon, destroyer of rodents, and Lord Booper of dog noses. He, so far, is an indoor kitten who has painted the laundry room with multiple insects, a mouse, and, well, not entirely sure what else. I took the picture through a screen so it looks a bit like a tapestry. <gasps> Look at that baby. He looks very soft. Is he soft? I bet he's velvety soft. Thank you for that. 
And uh, we'll have that Facebook link in the notes, in the show notes. Go like and share and engage. It's free to do that. Donate if you can, but that liking and sharing thing is very important to get those posts more traffic. Next up from Jesse, pronouns they and them, dear Beans Queens and everyone that makes the Daily Beans possible. AG and DG, y'all been asking for good news and boy, howdy, do I feel like I can deliver. I can deliver that to you this time. Last time I wrote in was just a thank you note and pet tax of my Eddie, who is a cat who plays fetch. Yes, I remember, Jesse. Well, this time I'm writing to you as a future uh, that Matt Gates and the Republicans fear and hate. I am now an overeducated millennial woman that owns her own home and comes home to my cat. Oh, yes. Join the multitudes. Eddie and I have been living in our house for the last week or so, and I couldn't be happier. Eddie has spent most of his time hiding under the bed, but he's slowly and surely getting used to our new home. I think the hardwood floors creaking are freaking him out more than anything. That's right. I have hardwood floors throughout my house. My second favorite feature of my home is the toilet that was manufactured on August 3rd, 1927. So I do have an older home, but I get to enjoy my morning coffee in my kitchen listening to you ladies and sometimes swearing along with you. So thank you for everything you do to keep us informed. Pictures attached to the first pictures of Eddie on top of the bed, the first picture of me on my porch, and the sunset from the porch. Another one of my favorite things. Thanks again. 1920s house. Look at this beauty. Oh, oh, I love it. Oh, the porch is amazing. Look at that sunset. What a beautiful neighborhood. Oh, congratulations. Oh, that must be so wonderful. Your own space, your own house. You overeducated millennial cat lady. I love it. Next up from Stephen, pronouns he and him. Good morning, ladies of the beans. I just started listening. I'm totally hooked for life. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. The first one's free. Uh, Thank you for all the great analysis and levity you bring to this dumpster fire of a a century. My submission is not exactly misheard lyrics, but a mistaken artist. My wife and I were listening to Only Want to Be With You by Hootie and the Blowfish. I was singing along and said with a coo of admiration, man, Darius Rucker has such a cool voice. (laughs) My my wife, with an air of haughtiness, which Steve and I, you could hear in my laugh as well, uh, and self-assuredness, question mark, said, uh, this is Hootie and the Blowfish, and scoffed. Yeah, baby, he's Hootie. <laughs> her look will always make me laugh as she realized her mistake. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, okay, so the, the, the funny part here is a lot of people think his name is Hootie. Um, and I blame Cuba Gooding Jr. from Jerry Maguire. No, I am not Hootie. Uh, Anyway, we laugh about it whenever the song comes out. I genuinely ask her, who sings this song? (laughs) My pet tax is my 85-pound tall dog, Marshall, a.k.a. Marshmallow. He's three years old. Feel free to play What the Mutt. I think he's some combo of uh, treeing, walker, coonhound, and crane. Love the show. You guys rock. Keep spreading the good word. Oh, oh my. There's German Shepherd in there. That ear. That ear is a shepherd thing for reals. (gasps) Oh. Definitely hound dog. A hundred percent beautiful, though. What a sweet baby. (laughs) Falling asleep sitting there. So, so cute. Is that a Peloton in the background? Right on. All right. Next up from Kay, pronoun she and her. My good news is that the long walks I need to blow off all the bad news for the first time allowed me to meet the recommended 8,000 steps every day for an entire week. This is the only way I could spin the past week into something positive to say. Well, I appreciate it, Kay. Uh, thanks. I uh, hope Dana is getting the hug she needs to recharge her battery. And thanks, AG, for hanging on for us. Sending you a find the cat and a picture of the bean in the way she prefers to be carried. She wasn't named after your show. She has digestive issues and my son has a weird sense of humor. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can find her. Uh, I see her. There she is. Yep. And this is the way she likes to be carried. Okay, that's a little backwards, but hey. Whatever works for the bean. She's beautiful. Thank you for sending that. Thank you for scraping up that good news because we definitely need it. And thanks to everyone for sending in their good news and their pod pet pics and the the pics of your new house and your beautiful, beautiful, happy place on that front porch with the sunset. Thank you to everyone for everything. I really appreciate it. I will be back in your ears on Monday morning for the beans. Dana will still be off. She'll be back Tuesday. But please come and join me for the beans on Monday. And then, of course, Sunday, I have episode three of the MSW Book Club. I'm covering Ellie Mistal's 
uh, it's called Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution. And, and, and believe it or not, uh, and apropos, we're getting into Second Amendment stuff uh, on this episode this week. And then, of course, tune in for Mueller, She Wrote. I'm going to be going over that new, <laughs> the new alternative Mueller report as put together by one Andrew Weissman. And methinks that's where he's been for the last half a year or so. That and teaching. He's only come up for air like three times, maybe four, when he used to be on TV all the time. Maybe I can get him to, maybe he'll start coming out again. If he does, then we know that, that that's what was going on. But Tom Barrick is mentioned in that motherfucker. And Tom Barrick is still heavily ongoing. He just was superseded, you know, just got indicted, superseding indictments. And I don't know if if Weissman is working on that because Weissman wrote this report that includes Tom Barrick about Manafort, that this alternative Mueller report. And he used to work in the Eastern District of New York, which is where these superseding indictments on Tom Barrick are coming out of. So he is a very well versed in all things Tom Barrick. So we shall see. All right. That is it for me today. Um, my final thoughts are just... Whew, Take a break. Um, compartmentalize as best you can. We've gotten really good at that. Disassociate a little in a healthy way and, and try to f- go out into nature, find something beautiful, and then share it. Share it with me so that we can look at the photos and, um, and keep, that, keep that good vibe going um, because we're going to need it. We are just gearing up for a lot of big fights, a lot of big fights uh, in the next several months. Roe, the midterms, gun uh, reform, uh, this January 6th select committee, potentially more Department of Justice investigations, Fonnie Willis. We have a lot. It's a lot. Uh, but I have a feeling things are going to start resolving. Um, but in the meantime, I need that good news. You can submit it at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact until Sunday and then again Monday on the beans. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. Oh, vote blue over Q. Them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.